Welcome to Razor Branding Podcast with Jackie Russo. To learn more about how to improve your brand, visit brandrusso.com. Hi, it's Jackie Russo with Razor Branding Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I am honored to introduce, if you don't already know her, Dana Baker with the Acadiana Symphony Orchestra. She's going to talk to us about how the symphony has done their pandemic pivot and what it's like in this new world order to be running a nonprofit and having to deal with the community and sponsors and musicians and venues uh, when they're closed and we can't have gatherings and doing music online. It's a lot. Dana, welcome. Hi, thank you. Hi, you're welcome. (laughs) Um, So in the interest of full disclosure, I think before we go any further, we should let people know we've known each other for a long time. Really long time. Really 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 long time. And on this entire stack of cards, not one do I reference any of our college shenanigans. Not once. Um, so what happened in FIMU can stay in FIMU. Forever and ever and ever. Don't you think? Um, yeah. We can do the I secret thought- handshake later. Yes, indeed. indeed. Yes. Off the air. <laughs> yeah. um, so you are running a very successful, uh, by all accounts, Acadia Symphony Orchestra. You've got all these amazing events lined up. You're doing all these incredible nonprofit fundraisers. You've got all these musicians. You've got these students taking classes and the world shuts down March 13th. What do you do? Well, can I, to be perfectly honest with you, I, after we, you know, did all the cancellations and the, you know, contacting everyone and all of the things, right? Then I had a full on meltdown. I sobbed probably for two weeks, solid. Yeah. And, um, you know, the poor, oh my God, what's going to happen? The world is ending. You know, all of those things went through my head. Sure. Um, and I got a bicycle <laughs> and I got my, my quarantine circle of friends that, you know, we only were, we all, none of us have children. And so we just kind of um, got together. We, we kept our circle tight during this time. And we were the only people that saw each other. You were um, in the bubble together. We were in the bubble together but across Congress street (laughs) and, uh, and my friend, Susan holiday, she, she works with the, um, she's in charge of the, uh, realtors association. And one day I was having a a real terrible day and she's, you know, she reminded me the best advice I got during that period of time was you, your staff, your organization has to, to remind people, show people your relevance so that you don't just dribble up and die. And um, and not just for our organization and our community, but for ourselves as people, right? As humans, we needed to have a focus. Let's get our eye on a ball and let's roll. Right. And, and that's what we did. And um, thank goodness, because it was not a pleasant place to be in that, ugh. And everybody else did it too, right? (laughs) Well, she's very wise. Um, In general, she's wise, but I think that advice was really wise because she's right. We all had that choice, especially in the very beginning of shrivel up and die or find a way through it. Yeah. And I I think you did that. I think y'all found a way through it. So talk to me about once you finished crying, what was your next step? Um, then we kind of got to work on, okay, we had a whole lot of things we had to do. We had to apply for all the things that were made available, right? So we did all of that. That was, you know, that was done right away. Um, then we started, okay, you know, in that moment of bleakness, um, not that there weren't other moments, but in that particular moment, um, I kind of said to our team, we need to be the light in the storm, right? We need, we need to be that. And, that means we got we have to show our beacon we have to brighten our beacon a little bit and we reached out to a couple of folks um give you land development s- jumped on right away our youth orchestra was uh putting out videos and uh, things they were practicing at home and like we, we created a um a spotify playlist that was just to kind of help you relax a little bit you know take a few moments out of your day and chill and 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 music has kind of been that thing right it has been for me personally my entire life but it is for everyone it's our it's our it's the thing that ties us back to memories and all of those all of that important stuff that we take with us through life and you know 
our, we didn't we didn't want our our memory our our, our life playlist to be a bad one right. you know we're gonna we're gonna go back and you know 10 years from now five years from now 25 years from now we're gonna go back and be like whoo that period of time was rough and what are you gonna you're gonna feel something about that and music will help you with that so that's what we did we got to work we you know we started this mayday thing we reached out to some really great folks who stepped up and helped us um we needed to get money in the hands of our musicians and our teaching artists um they had been hurt you know once once um religious services had kind of have uh ended and they weren't that was their last line of defense our, our our musicians and our teaching artists were in those churches every weekend weddings funerals all of the life moments that are super important um, they were part of, and then they were part of nothing. Right. And, you know, a gig economy is really rough. And most of ours are, and, you know, they, they belong to lots of other symphonies too, right? We have a lot of folks that uh, play in Baton Rouge and they were, they have a different setup than we do. Um, but we, um, we came together with this idea, Mayday, reached out to some really incredible partners. You know, that's one thing about, situation like this is again you know we talked about i've seen the the i don't know the story on facebook about you know we're not all in the same we're all in the same storm but not in the same boat right it's my well, favorite me too because i have I've, I've said that out loud to myself over and over again and but the beauty of being in the same storm is everybody really wants to help each other right and that's the thing that it's one of those things that i i hope that we carry through all of this um, because, you know, it's easy to kind of get caught up in our own needs and cause they're real, right? We all need money. We all need food. We all need love. We need all those things. Um, but you know, people really stepping up and helping you when you don't have anything to give them in return. Right. And we, social entertainment, uh, Gus and, and those folks, uh, Anita at downtown, Ben at Lafayette travel, Sam and his team at ACA, they all stepped up and helped us you know, kind of get this rolling from a, from a social media standpoint and it worked. We raised a good amount of money for our folks. Um, even Pops Po' Boys came in and did some food stuff for our guys and it's just been amazing. So all of this, that was our next step, right? Is to, we gotta get money in these, in their hands. But at the same time, we have to look at what are we gonna do next season? Right. Holy crap. Right. That's what that's what that's that's a real thing. And ours usually our season usually rolls out this week today. In fact, normally is the normal day. Um, but we had to, you know, during all of this stuff, we had to think creatively. We had to think, um, you know, financially, what financially, what can we handle and what is the temperature going to be like for sponsors and donors and things like that. And on top of that. What is the temperature going to be for people to gather again? You know, we are, and we'll get to that, but, um, you know, so kind of, you know, what do we, what do we want this season to look like? And there's a, an overarching theme every year. We kind of, you know, what, what is that thing? And it kind of took me back to, <clears throat> excuse me, my festival time. I've been able to tell that story uh, a, a lot in my life about when, um, so many arts organizations were born, right, in this community. And I'm going to tell you, in the early to mid-80s, this place was desolate. Um, it was a sad place in that everybody left town. Nobody had, I mean, we went from being the most millionaires in, per capita in the entire U.S. Right. to ghost town. And from that emerged Festivals of Cadillan. Mm -hmm. Acadian Arts Council, which is now the ACA, uh, downtown, and Festival International, and the Symphony. All of those things. And there were other organizations that were, but those were the ones that, that kind of emerged during that time. And we're still here. And we helped, uh, they were, they were, we were all kind of created as an economic development tool when, and, and began that real discussion of diversification of an economy and the cultural economy is a really big part of that 
Because arts and culture do drive the economy, right? They drive this one, that's for sure. Right. Absolutely. I mean, you just look at sales tax in the month of April, the, the March and April, those losses. That's a huge time in our community for festivals and outdoor events. You have, especially in, in the center part of Lafayette um, and the surrounding areas. Uh, we, de we depend on that. We have our, it's a, what is it, the second largest uh, economic factor in our state? That's pretty major. It's pretty right. major. Right. Nothing to see that for sure. So part of while we're trying to to decide what are we going to do, how are we going to move forward? Um, our maestro, you know, they did some really hard work um, with trying to figure out how are we going to do this where we can afford it? Um, what cash flow might look like? Because, man, that's a scary thought. Um, because we, we went through two months. Zero cash flow. Right zero cash flow and we weren't the only ones right the whole most of the community except for you know our our, our essentials but we had nothing so how, how much do we of your annual budget is raised usually in the springtime like how much of your total annual revenue did you lose by not being able to be open in the spring Oof. is it like half is it a quarter it's probably a third okay a third that's a chunk um well, because when we canceled our concerts, uh, we also canceled, we, not canceled, we postponed our largest fundraiser of the year. And that is, you know, well over $100,000 worth of revenue that we budgeted. Right. So that's what sale, that's what gets us through the next phase, right? Because everything is in phases. Our revenue streams are in phases. And that gets us to um, beginning our season and getting season tickets out and season ticket renewals and all. And that's a, then that's where we start again, right? Because our, our fiscal is June to May. Right. And whew, right. man, that was is, rough. Is there a place right now where people can go to donate? Is there a link we could put up on the screen? Oh, yes, acadianasymphony.org backslash donate now, I believe. Okay. Just in case somebody feels inspired yeah. as you're talking, I don't want to deprive them of that opportunity. I don't want to deprive them of that either. I can help them. Okay, good. <laughs> Excellent. Um, <laughs> um, so walk me through as you're now thinking, okay, I know eventually we'll be able to gather again. I know eventually we will bring back um, the music as we knew it. What does your planning now look like as the Hyman is closed? Do you try to continue to go back to Hyman? Do you look to go to an outdoor venue because it gives you a little more breathing room uh for social distancing how do you how do you plan in a time where planning isn't really an option well we we had to we had to get creative before we knew what things would look like for uh, with the hymen and, and and other locations um we decided as part of this idea that we're going to have to change in some way um and as part of this revival that we want to be part of, right? We want to, to be part of again in our community. We started looking outside of, of our normal traditional uh, venues. We still have one concert in the, in the Hyman because we're, we're very hopeful that that will, that will open back up for us by Christmas time. Cause that's, that's our biggest concert of the year, every year. Um, it's, it's a tradition. Um, but then we had to, you know, look at other locations, churches. I mean, we had to keep our eye on the on the financial side of things, right? Is it going? How expensive is it going to be to use uh, a public facility? Um, and especially with, you know, we don't know what those um, parameters are going to look like as far as social distancing. Will people get? We just no idea. Um, but it's also expensive for us to use a public facility. This is it's not. We don't. You know, we're not walking away. We don't do it. We don't get it for free. <laughs> um, I know. I think a lot of people think that, and that's not the case. But um, but so we had to we had to look at some other options for ourselves uh, prior to even knowing what was happening. Till the announcement last Friday, we didn't know that was happening. Um, but but we've we've kind of this is our this is a way for us, I think, as an organization to connect with people a little bit differently in a little more intimate venues. Uh, we've got a host of churches in the community, St. John's Cathedral, St. Mary's, um, St. Pius, and of course the ACA. We got a, you know, we have a 
great concert there and and of course at the hymen so we had to we had to think about what is that going to look like and what happens if we can't gather what happens what do we do what do we do then um uh so we had you know we we we've been so um moved by the outpouring of people saying hey i can help with this streaming situation in the event that you can't gather i've got the tools i've got the resources i can help you and um and man that just knowing that we can do that because you know people in good faith are paying for a subscription to the symphony for their season and we have to deliver Um, at the same time that we have to deliver we have to be able to afford to pay the musicians and you can't do one without the other i can't have a concert if i can't afford to pay them um and so that that it's been a, it's been a struggle trying to figure out how how are we going to do that right you know you talk about people having resources i had a chance to meet and interview johnny blanchard last week oh yeah they're doing some amazing stuff with concerts in the venue that they're live streaming online and out to the parking lot. So I love how people have had to do that pandemic pivot and get creative. Did sure. y'all manage to do some online gigs after the shutdown? We've done a, a couple little things, but they weren't um, to that scale. Um, we haven't been able to do a full concert and, and, and that sort of thing. You know, a lot of our musicians um, are are kind of trying to do different things as well. But it it's hard to conduct. <laughs> Pun intended. Yeah, it's hard to hard to conduct when you know those Zoom those those fabulous things that you see um, online. I, I'm not going to tell all the tricks that they do, but um, but it, that is not a that's not an easy thing for them to pull off. Right. And it's not what you think it is. <laughs> right. Well, I know there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. It's not maybe always completely live. Um, I'm sure you watched, like most of us, uh, when uh, John Krasinski on some good news had the Hamilton cast yes. doing that. And I just thought that is an almost impossible feat. Um, you know, Michael's in an acapella quartet. And so early on, they tried to do some of that. It is really hard to get yeah. it synced properly and harmonized properly. I'm not a musician. I don't have a singing or instrument playing talent, uh, but I appreciate it, you know, from a yeah. distance. And that's amazing to me. Yeah, it, it, it's a it's a there's all sorts of tricks and, yeah. and and watching them. It's a that's an art all in its own on its own. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I look at your career and it's very musically based uh, from yes. your time at festival to the live events you've done to symphony. Are you a musician? Do you sing? Do you play an instrument? I couldn't carry a tune in a bucket with four handles. Right. Um, yeah. So but I will tell you and, and, and my friends get tired of me saying this and so does my team. But um, growing up all of my friends desperately wanted to be Whitney Houston. I mean, sure. they would practice, they were singing, they did all of the things. And myself, I was obsessed with Clive Davis, the star maker. That's who I wanted to, that's who I wanted to be. I wanted to be that guy. Uh, I mean, not the guy part, but I wanted to be that, that that's the, the thing I wanted to do with my life. And um, I, I'm obviously not as, like Clive Davis, but um, but I do, although I can't play an instrument or sing or any of those things, not even in the shower with great acoustics, but um, but I have an ear for it. And I know I can, I know when something is good and, um, and I know what people, I've, I've honed a skill at what people will like and um, and, and the story that they need to, to kind of bridge that because you need a story. Right. You need a story. And um, and so that's that's really been my motivator in life is to do that. And I would say, I don't know if the symphony did it before you, but I definitely noticed once you got there, the themes you started bringing in, the uh, coordination with pop culture and kind of a more modern slant. What was that uh, approach like? How did you work that process out? Well, um, I think a lot of it, this is going to sound really terrible, but I think a lot of it stems from the fact that I had zero um, experience in the classical music world, right? And I was very clear about that when I got this job, that I don't know anything about it, um, but I'm going to learn and I'm going, uh, but 
<clears throat> part of it is trying to find that middle ground where people that people um, can latch on to something and they and they think, hey, you know what? I didn't think I really liked that kind of music, but maybe I do. Right. And reminding people it's in everything. It's in cartoons that you watch. It's in commercials you watch. It's in every movie you've ever watched. Um, and really, I think it evolved from that. Um, at Okay. We have to make this so that it's more relatable. And, you know, whereas it is fantastic to have a STEM related um, concert series, which was, you know, which was great for this organization at a time. But now people, there's so much more to compete with, right? You have to be interesting and creative and you have to, you have to meet people where they are. And that's kind of where, that's where it came from. Right. Well, and, and I love that. And I think you really hit the nail on the head because people don't realize they've been groomed from an early age to appreciate classical music. Yes. Yes. It's in every cartoon we've ever watched. Everything, everything, everything. You walk in through the, the Atlanta airport, you are going to hear it. Right. You know what I mean? This is this is the thing. Car commercials, Apple, all of them use it. And and if you think about it, you know, uh, DJ Digital and I have this conversation many times while I worked at, uh, at Town Square, is that every major, every song you hear on the radio, every single song, it doesn't matter what genre, it all stems from the classics. Right. Everything. There's no new note. You haven't developed a new note. You have not developed a new key. Nothing. Right. right. It all stems back to the to, to the greats. Right. And they were great at their time. And then has obviously they they've managed to make it through, you know, eons, if you will. And and it's still still relevant today. And their stories are still relevant today. So what do you think is the most underappreciated piece of classical music? Like the one that everybody knows, but doesn't even realize they know. Probably, probably something from Gershwin. Right. Right. Yeah. I, that, I would tell you, I would tell you this movement or this, whatever, but right. I don't know those things. And I wouldn't know either. Uh, but, I, I feel uh, people are going to hate me for that, but uh, you know, I don't know. But I as soon know. as you said that I flashed on the Chicago airport. Yeah. Uh, because I think that's where Symphony in Blue plays, um, which is probably one of my favorite pieces. And when you're walking through that underground tunnel with the beautiful lights above you, and that's yeah. the, the Delta theme song is playing, it's yeah. like, oh, wait, yes. You don't even realize it. It's songs you didn't, you didn't know you knew. You mm -hmm. know them. Right. You, you know them. Right. Yeah. So maybe that becomes one of your next thing is... Uh, really some sort of a contest or trivia or game yeah. for people to figure out the piece where it came from where they first heard it where in bugs bunny right bugs bunny there's a whole concert series that's going around that's traveling which is bugs bunny symphony okay see yeah 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 yeah, yeah. it's the first time i've seen they don't make cartoons like that anymore but they still use the music i mean you think of video games they use classical music in video games right right I love that. All right. I have done a horrible job of getting shout outs to the people who are listening. So Joan Broussard, thank you so much for watching. She gave you three hearts. Oh, I love Joan. Uh, Rita Goodrich. Woohoo. The Dana Baker is in the house. <laughs> She's wild. Our sister Molly Daigle's watching. Love Dana Baker. Uh, Tanya Terrio Mutong, Alpha Sigma Find Your Sisters in the house. I'm feeling a little bit starstruck at this moment. Shout out, Tanya. Shout my Tanya. <laughs> um, so Talk to me about your first job. Has it always been musical? Has everything been towards your belonging and becoming the Acadiana Clive Davis? Nope. Okay. Um, I was a lifeguard for a really long time, part of my life. Lifeguard and I taught swimming lessons. My dad used to work for the city of Lafayette and we, we used to work at OJ Mouton pools, uh, teaching swimming lessons and lifeguarding. And then I think I worked at a, a yogurt shop, a TCBY way back in the day. And those were, um, I think I had a, well, no think. I know I worked for, um, so food service is not my jam. Um, <laughs> so I, I had a job in college. Uh, <clears throat> I worked at Old Time Grocery. And unbeknownst to me, four people that I love dearly, we all worked there at the same time. One from festival, Diane Harris, um, uh, John claude Arsenault. And Andre Mitchell, we all worked there at the same time. We didn't know each other. 
it was the absolute, I was terrible at it. I had to fry shrimp. Um, and I was scared to death of Murph. And uh, <laughs> as you should be. Correct. Still to this day, still scared, still scared to death of him. Nice man. I, I, sure. Intimidating. intimidating, right? Intimidating. Um, but so that lasted um, two days. I worked there for two days. Um, I, I, I dropped um, the, the thingy, you know, the, the, the basket. Okay, yeah, I dropped it in the, in the grease pit. And he was like, well, what are you going to do? And I'm like, uh, quit. Yeah. Grab it, grab it. So I stuck my hand in the grease to get it. <laughs> then I grabbed my hand. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm done. <laughs> so it occurred to you that boiling grease is hot, right? Yep. Yeah. But I was okay. how intimidated I was. I bet there was another kitchen tool you could have used to get that. You know what, Jackie, there probably was. Hindsight and all hindsight, that. Hindsight, hindsight. I think Melissa, I think somebody else I worked there too. Anyway, it was it was a fun time while we worked there. But um, you know, or not. So how did that experience set you on this path? Was that a okay, I know I'm not good at that, so now I'll go this way? No, I, you know, through those jobs, I kind of figured out, you know, they were to make money. Right. right. But when my parents forced me to volunteer for festival the first year when it was in the summer, it was during a break between swimming lessons and lifeguarding. And I was 16. So I just aged myself. Um, but I, uh, I had to I had to work in hospitality and I sweated to death. I loved every minute of volunteering during festival. I didn't know really what festival was at the time, right? But I just knew that I, my parents wanted me to put things on my college application, and this is what I had to do. I did it. I loved it. And then years later, I worked. I still volunteered many years later, and then I worked there. It was probably one of my dad's um, uh, biggest brags that he had about me he would tell everybody you see you volunteer you do what your parents tell you you never know where you're going to end up he was very proud of that so from 16 year old volunteer to executive director that's a pretty yeah. nice promotion yeah well you know it took a few steps in the way but i started out as a volunteer which is it's a volunteer driven organization Right. Um, through, through the, they have a team, a staff, obviously, but, but they have a team. There's it's a strong volunteer-based team that helps to make that festival what it is, and it connects people. It makes people feel that it belongs to them. And you know, someone we had a, a retreat once where everyone went around. What what is it about festival for you that makes you want makes you love it? And for me, it was the thing. I'm not from here, but it made me feel rooted here that I did belong. And I think that everyone's story is a little bit different, but that was the thing for me. And at the same time, I got my music fix and got to, you know, figure out what people liked and what they didn't like. I think I spent most of my time during festival, aside from, you know, putting out fires, um, I like to people watch and find out why are they walking this way? What are they, what are they gonna interact with when they do? Why do they walk someplace different? Why do they go to this stage versus that stage? All of those things. It's the beauty of it. Right. So you were uh, executive director of festival for a decade? Yeah. 13, 13 years, something like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I think about where it was when you started to where it was um, at your untimely departure. I feel like festival went through some pretty big growth during that stage. Yeah. And I think, I think the world changed during that time too. You know, you saw the ad, so 9-11 happened um, three weeks before I took the job, <laughs> before I got the promotion. Um, but, uh, I think social media became bigger. Um, our world became smaller. Um, there were a lot of factors and then downtown is so great. Um, it, it, it had its own, um, transformation at that time too. It's, it, which has continued and as, why it's still so successful of an area of our town. But, um, but I think that there were a lot of factors and, you know, I, I'm not sure what all of them are, but I know that our world got smaller somehow and people felt more connected. And, um, and we, I think it was part of our revival from 
that period of time in the 80s where we finally got to that place where we really liked ourselves, right? And we wanted to share the best of us right. with the outside world. And maybe it was 9-11 that kind of, kind of did that for us. I don't know. Um, but that's the, that's the turning point I saw, you know, was that. And then over those years, you know, it just, it, it, I think we took one thing every year and tried to add, how do we, how do we fix, let's fix a problem and let's add something. Right. What is, the, and you know why that is, is because a reporter asked me once, so what's new um, this year? And this is, I literally had the job for a month, maybe two. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I thought, I didn't say that out loud, but that's the, the thought bubble on top of my head was, I have no idea. What is new? What are we doing? And that just kind of like, okay, this is our, this is our focus. This is what we're going to do every year and refine something and, and, um, and grow something. So that's, that's, I guess that's why. Well, and that's what I would call the Reds approach to life. I feel like Reds always made a his philosophy about, you know, every month, what's the improvement? What's the improvement? Yes. Yes. Um, so my job on this show is to ask questions and give answers, which you've done an admirable job of. Um, okay. And I always try to stick with the cards and I never want to go into a place that's going to make you uncomfortable. So all of that set up to say, handle this next one as you see fit. Okay. Um, your departure from festival was, mm-hmm. I think, in a word, abrupt um, okay. and not necessarily of your choosing. Um, so how do you recover from that? Because that's got to hurt. Well, let me, let me, let me say this, you know, there comes a time when you're in your career and you have to find out if you are a one trick pony or not. Is this all you can do? Um, and, uh, that was the moment for me, you know, it was one of, it was to, to that particular time in, in history, it was the most successful we had ever been. Uh, we had, most crowds, most money, most, you know, all of at that time, right. It's changed since then, but, um, but man, what a way, what a time to be able to, to walk away. I'm not comparing myself to Michael Jordan, but I just finished watching the, um, the documentary and I'm like, he got to leave when he wanted, you know, through on leaving on top is never a bad thing, no matter which way you slice it how you, how you get there, all of those things going out at a, a particular time when things are really good, is not a bad thing. And, I would agree. Um, and, and I think that, um, you know, finding out more about myself and, uh, about what do, what else do I want to do with my life? You know, I, I, I dedicated a lot of my life. I, um, during my time at festival, I sacrificed, uh, a marriage, babies, all of those things. I was not able to, to make all those things work. And, you know, once I was away from there for a little while, I realized why, you know, um, my mom got sick and had I still been at festival, I don't know that I would have taken the time, been able to take the time here. Um, to, to spend with her and with my family to, to go through that together. Um, so I, I look at it as a, um, all, all things, change is always, always positive. You can make anything out of change. And I think it, the key there is that you found the positive in the change. And I think that's what this whole video series has been about is people finding a way in this pandemic to, to find the positive in what their pandemic pivot is, you were just a decade ahead of your time um, because you had to do this already once and now yeah. you have to do it again. I've had to do it quite a few times in my life. And I think most of us have in, in different ways. And you have to figure out there's no white knight that's going to come in and save you, right? You have to be your own. You have to, you, not to say that you can't have friends and family that help you. We have that. I had that. But, um, but man, you have to, okay. What can I do? What can I do differently? How can I grow as a human? And this is what tomorrow's crappy days, bad days, or scary days. That's what tomorrow's were invented for. Right. 
Well, and I think you touched on it and you mentioned it at the beginning too with your quarantine bubble. Um, you're right. There's no perfect solution that comes along. There's no person who's going to save you. But if you reach out to your group and your peers and your support system, they can help lift you up and they can help you find the positives, right? Absolutely. And I would know to go back to your just recent question about festival. I think what I learned most that has served me the best since that time is being okay with vulnerability. Mm. I have not in my life prior to that time been okay to be vulnerable about things and to, to be more um, uh, just freer with that side of myself. Still not always, but, but, um, but it, it, it helped me in my human journey. Is Brene Brown sitting right there? Because I feel like that's the kind of thing she'd have told you to say. Girl, I have done a lot of work. (laughs) (laughs) I have listened so much. (laughs) Um, Have you read Untamed by Glennon Doyle yet? No, I have not. But I put that on the list. Okay, it's going to go on my. So Michelle Ezel and I talk about this. I have talked about this many times. Audiobooks are where it's at for me because I am. I am fully engaged when I'm listening. Right. Part of yeah. my music problem. <laughs> well, and hers is her drive. You know, she has that ridiculous right. commute. And so it Correct. works well for her too. Correct. Um, Correct. So, so what I'm hearing you say, and I'm just going to paraphrase and make sure I've gotten it right, because I like the sentiment. There are no failures. There are nope. learning opportunities. There are growing opportunities. It's about continuing to go. Yeah. You know, it was Tanya who just made a comment a while ago that, we had a long conversation, many long conversations during this period of time. And it was, okay, you have to stop thinking of this as this terrible thing that is happening. It is terrible. Don't get me wrong. I'm talking about it in a totally different way. Um, this is an opportunity. This is nothing, the, nothing but opportunities are coming from this period of time. And, um, it's all in the way that you look at stuff. I sound very cliche right now and I totally recognize that, but, it it's you, looking at things that for, as an opportunity as opposed to a problem, life changer. Well, and I don't think it's um, a cliche because it's wrong. I think it's a cliche because it's right. Um, right. If you look at it as a world of plenty, not scarcity, then you know there's plenty of opportunity out there. And if you look at all of these um, hiccups or challenges along the way as just something to strengthen you, I, how can we do anything but get better through that? Right. Yeah. So Bailey Dombrowski says, love Dana so much. So grateful she helped me get involved with my career here in Lafayette. How the hell do you know Bailey? You know, she works here. I just, I just saw that she moved back here for that. And so I met her through town square. She was, she's a huge country music fan, as you know, and she, we would, she was part of the team that would be call in when we had a, um, uh, a live in the lobby when a, a musician just happened to stop by and start playing music in our lobby. We saw a lot of great people, Dan and Shay, who we saw there first before they were Dan and Shay. Right. But yeah. Yeah. But that's how I met her. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, she's, you know, I think everything right now goes back to people I knew either in grade school or college. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so she's right. a Sacred Heart alum. Yes. I knew that too. Yes. She was, she, grad, she must've graduated while, probably while I met her. It's yeah. probably around that time. Yeah. Small world, man. I love it that so much. Small, it is such a small world. I, I, yeah, it's, I'm amazed by it every day. Right. So tell me a little bit about some of the other things you do to keep yourself nourished outside of symphony. What, what keeps you going and fills your bucket? So I'm going to tie it back to someone um, – when I was at town square, Mike Grimsley and I had a long talk when my mom was um, diagnosed with cancer and it was a very quick journey. Um, he asked me if money was no object, what would you do with your life? And I was like, I, I didn't even hesitate events. I would, I would create experiences for people. And um, he's like, okay, well let's, let's help you do that. And um, you know, he was so gracious during that time. He gave me the time to spend with my mom not having to worry about work and all of that stuff. Um, and then helped, I told him I needed to, my mom waited to do all the things, right, with her life until she retired. And retired two months later, not even two months, a month later, 
brain cancer. So I don't want to wait until I don't want to wait. And so if I don't have, if, if I don't do this now, I will never do it. And, I, and if I fail, okay, I'll get another job. They'll do something else. Right. And so he proceeded to help me reach out to some of their um, major advertisers and said, Hey, this girl did our events and she's, she's now going out on her own. I think you should support her. And they did. And so I went out and I, I worked with Gus at social entertainment. Um, we created um, uh, Wino, which, you know, I have this passion for wine um, in addition to music. And I like learning about it. I don't know anything about it still, um, but I'm learning. Um, I know what I, I know if I drink a wine, I like it, then that's a good wine. Um, it's probably the best tip I could give you. Um, so wine no is not people sitting on the street corner drinking out of a paper bag. No, okay. no, 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 ma'am, no, ma'am, okay. no, ma'am. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a sipping experience. Gotcha. So it was kind of intended to be for someone like myself who doesn't know Jackola about wine. Um, and, but I want to try things but I don't want to spend over a certain amount. If I spend over 20 bucks on a bottle of wine and I don't like it, my, my, my feelings are going to be hurt. Right. Because you don't get that back. That's $20. You worked hard for that $20. And so people won't experiment if it's, if it's too expensive or they don't get a chance to try it first. Um, so that's kind of how it was intended to be. And then luckily, you know, four years in on our fifth year, things are, things are good in that regard. That's awesome. But so that's what I do. I, I like to do events. Um, I like to try to think of new ways to to um, connect with people. Um, and then I got to do this thing last year, and I got to. I'm doing it now. Is working with 705 as a mentor. And holy smokes, um, I have my own group of mentors that I've kind of worked with through my whole life. But getting to be that person for someone else. Talk about fill your bucket. It puts some pressure on you though, right? I've done so that a couple pressure. of years. Yeah. Talk about a hand sweating, underarm itching moment. Right wow. through your shirt. Yeah. Right through. Right through. Right through. <laughs> no, because there's like this whole, they're looking at me like I know what I'm doing, so I better act like it. Well, I've had to explain, um, and I explained this to somebody who works with us here not that long ago. Everybody's winging it. Nobody really knows everything, right? Nobody knows. I think we're learning this in our current situation. Nobody knows everything. Um, and a lot of times you, you look at these people and you go, oh, my God, they have their life together. Oh, then you find out well, maybe they don't have their life together, but they're really good at at X. And man, that's a that's a, that's a thing to celebrate. So, you know, I, I've enjoyed it so much. And I'm always amazed that anyone would select me as as a person <laughs> I was stressed I, I went no, my first one I was so stressed I was like oh my god what if nobody picks me I felt like I felt like I was on the the dodgeball team in school what if nobody picks me for their team and then I oh, bet there's a waiting list to be on your team probably. I don't know about that but there were definitely great people and I'm, I've been very blessed to, to to get to work with these ladies that is awesome how do you encourage professional development in yourself in your team in your mentees what do you suggest what do you tell people to do to be um so i kind of tell them two things one don't spend every part of your life on your work um don't sacrifice your family your friends your life for your job um because it's not supposed to be that way um you need to really like what you're doing. And when you do that, you know, again, with this cliche business, Dana, um, uh, when you're doing the thing that you love, it doesn't feel like that. And it, and it incorporates into the rest of your life. It integrates with everything else uh, when, you're, when you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And, um, you know, you're gonna be you're gonna be replaced before your obituary hits the paper. So don't put all your time and efforts in that. Your family, your friends, they're gonna be with you through the end. So, in in get that integrate that somehow as best you can. Right. I think that's wise advice. That's not a cliche. That's good life advice right there. Um, people have to make time for the stuff that's really important. Yes, because I didn't. You know, I, I my my favorite book is the subtle art of not giving up. Uh huh. 
And um, I've, lis- I've listened to it four times, one after the other. And, you know, in time in life, you, you we say we're doing that. We want this, right? I want, I want a marriage, a family, a this, a blah, blah, blah. But I'm working on this over here. I'm not putting any time over here. And it wasn't until listening to this four times that I was like, oh, man, yeah, I feel that. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, maybe I should pay. I should invest the time and effort into the thing I really want to grow. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> <laughs> but I love those light bulb moments. It's like, oh, yeah. that's how it's supposed to work. Right. Well, and like, why didn't I know this? five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Right. But now, so now I have no excuse. Exactly. Um, When you look around, whether it's locally, uh, it's your friend group, it's the people that you have sought out their advice as mentors, it's um, event planners or symphonies in other markets. So it's wide open. But when you look around, what is something that another person, organization, company has been doing that you think, oh man, that's smart. I wish I'd done that first. Oh gosh. Now girl, now you got to my you got to my my core. I don't like to be I like to be first at mm-hmm. something. Oh man. So, um so there's so many so many. There are are people locally that that are organizations that aren't necessarily event driven, but um in a totally different way. Man, I wish I, I, there are many. Um Boys and Girls Club in particular, I I'm I'm, I'm I like what they do and, and, I, and how do we incorporate one little piece of something that they're doing into what we do every day. Um, these answers are not going to be what you think they're going to be. <laughs> um, we went to, we were able to be, go to Nashville, to the Nashville Symphony um, in January, just before everything kind of broke loose here. And, you know, we were kind of talking to them about our issues and what, you know, how can we do X and they're like, oh, man, you're taking us back to this period of time. We still we still have those same issues. They're just bigger. Oh, Our problems man. are bigger problems, right? Um, they're, they're good problems to have, but they're still on a larger scale. And so how they kind of um, uh, uh, address some of those and were able to, to get onto the other side of them, fascinating. Um, there's this lady with the California Symphony. She's no longer there anymore. But man, what I wouldn't do to have this woman come to this town to speak to our community. I, I would, I would, I would saw off an arm and donate a kidney. It's no kidney. Well, I have, and so she's not doing this particular thing right now. But she was with the California Symphony. She has the same background as I do. She worked at Bumbershoot for years. Um, then she went to the to a symphony in in. California, outside of San Francisco, California Symphony, and transformed it, um, made things very direct. All the things that you think about a symphony, oh, you have to wear a certain thing, you have to applaud at a certain time, which I just learned about not that long ago. Um, you, and you, can you bring a drink into the place? It can't, what about a selfie? Can I take a selfie during that time? So she, she zeroed in on that in plain speak, very direct, and made it listen to the audience. Mm-hmm. What, is, what does the community want out of us? And single-handedly turned that place around in three years and has now moved on to a, a, a different job and is doing consulting and, and whatnot. She helped us um, last November with a whole project that we were working on. And the, when I scored my 30-minute phone call with her, because you don't get that, uh, and I didn't have to pay for it, um, I fangirled for a little bit and, um, and then, but then I got straight to my questions. Yeah, you only have 28 we, minutes left. It's like correct. no fangirl and get to business. Correct. And then we got to go, when we went to Nashville, she was speaking there, which is part of the reason we went. So we got to like hear her in person, see her, talk to her. It was amazing. She's done amazing things. And I could, I, I could only hope and pray that um, I could have that, have that same impact. Right. Where we are here with this team. And I love that. And I don't know if that's just a modern era or if it's always been that way, but I only figured it out a couple of years ago. But the ability to pick up the phone or send an email to somebody you admire from afar and say, I love what you're doing. How? Why? When? And they respond. Yeah. Other people wow. that believe in scarcity, they're not threatened. Yes. And so they're like, yeah, let's talk about it. Let me tell you how to do that. 
Yeah. Yeah. And she was so generous in her, in her advice, in her wisdom. Um, it's like I said, back to after 9-11, it became a really small world and it has gotten smaller and smaller. You can pick up the phone and call anybody. Right. Right. No, I, I love that the most. Um, what advice do you give to this year's graduates? <sighs> You've got me on that one. That's a tough one. That is a tough one. Especially this year. Yeah. You know, Tanya's son has been, you know, he's, he graduated this year and we talked, she and I talked, spent a lot of time talking about this. Um, all the things that you think that you're going to miss, right? All the things that you're missing, right? All those experiences, prom, you know, all these important dances that are really important when you are in high school, right? These things are very important. Still to this day, there's a lot of people that are still beefed up about something that happened when they were a senior in high school, right? Right. Um, but you're going to have those moments. They're not going to be, they're not going to be the things that you thought they were, but man, look at those opportunities next, right? That next thing that's going to come, make the most out of that thing and not focus on this over here. Right. Let's keep, keep, keep your eyes on, on, keep your eyes forward, deal with the stuff back here, but you got to keep forward. I, I don't know if that's really great advice, but I, I think that, um, I think it will serve them better to, you know, feel those feelings and then kind of, okay, use that as your motivator mm-hmm. to get to the next place in your life. Right. No, I, I think you, you nailed it. Um, what historical event would you most like to have witnessed? Oh, historical event. Oh, man. <sighs> I'm sure it's musically based. I'm trying to think which musical concert, which musician. Yeah. I, I would not have wanted to see Woodstock because I think okay. that's too much. Right. Um, but, oh, man, you got me. Well, yeah. Joan Bruce already answered for you. Joan said it's Woodstock. Um, I, I was no. thinking you would go with maybe like Beethoven actually performing Beethoven. No, not the old guys. Okay. No, no, I do like I do like some of the old guys. Um, but I think I, but it's an event, so that's something different. All right. Well, I'm gonna give buy you probably some time. Something, something with the royal family in, okay. in, in that in that era, and I'm right. talking. I don't mean the existing one. I mean right years ago. I'm obsessed with Henry VIII in that time period, not him in particular, but okay. that time period. Have you seen six yet? Six. Okay, it's a Broadway show. We got to see it Mardi Gras week, oh. right before Broadway shut down. Okay. It is um, the wives of Henry VIII. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. As if they were in the Spice Girls. So it's ah. it's it's a rocking band musical. Like pull up on Apple Music the soundtrack. Um, i They tell their stories in in a rock rap Hamilton style. Okay. Um, it is amazing. Okay, I'm in. You got me because six. I'm I'm fascinated by all of that. I like I get into like their family oh. trees and who's mm-hmm. connected to who. I love mm-hmm. it. Love mm-hmm. it. all of it. So while I'm running through the last two cards, the lightning round, anybody okay. who's watching, put a question in for Dana if you'd like to have her do a live question. Bring it on. Okay, uh, what's your pettiest pet peeve? Eddie's pet peeve. People trying to, um, oh, that's, I don't know if that's petty, but God, social media is the worst for it. It's like trying <laughs> to put your, put your, your belief is not my belief. My belief is not your belief. And you don't have to shame me for that. I and I don't have to. Intolerance. Well, and, and it, it, it's, but it's intolerance for everything. Right. Everything. My way is the only way. Uh-huh. Yes. I'm, I'm not, I'm not down with that. Yep. That's not my jam either. Favorite place on earth. Oh, New York city. Movie. You can't turn off. Oh, man on fire. Oh, a TV show to binge watch. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Top favorites. <sighs> Man. I've watched so many. It's hard to, it, I love documentaries. Okay. I'm, I'm going to watch the Jeffrey Epstein one tonight. Ooh, I so, can't wait. Me too. Yeah, fascinated by that. Right. Right. Um, 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, favorite book. Favorite book. Oh, subtle art. All right. Subtle, uh, yeah. Podcast. This one. Okay. I don't I'll go with that. I, I will allow that every time. That's fine. I don't. I, I don't. I don't listen to a lot of them. Um, but I, there's another uh, Lewis. Lewis. Lewis something. Cannot think of his name, but it's in my phone somewhere. Okay. Uh, favorite car. Favorite car. <sighs> okay. When I was growing up, this is going to sound really hokey. When I was when I was a kidlet, I wanted a. Um, a Mercedes station wagon. Oh. I thought something about a station wagon. I don't know. Station wagons are super lame, but we didn't have a station wagon. We certainly didn't have a Mercedes, but, um, but I was fascinated by the Mercedes station wagon as a kid. I'll take it. It's fancy and practical. That's kind of how I yeah. see you. So I think that's actually, that car is you. <laughs> fancy and practical. Um, favorite musician. <sighs> Damn it. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> I've got so many, so many. I like Gary Clark Jr. I like Lenny Kravitz. I like, oh, man. This is not fair. Right. So like, Tanya I says. I like local ones too. Of course. And so, look, there's no no wrong answers here. That's okay. Tanya yeah. says, ask you your favorite audio book because you're not going to be able to say it on the air. But you just right, did. But I just said. <laughs> Subtle Anybody art of not giving an F. Yes, yes. It's a good one. It is a good one. It's a good um, one. So I know that you and I are not singers, but should you find yourself in front of a karaoke mic, what song are you singing? Um, probably. Um, uh, probably Lady Marmalade. <laughs> okay. That's a great answer. <laughs> did you just snort while you laughed? I that was did. awesome. I did. I did. <laughs> That's awesome. Favorite sport? Oh, football. Of course. Uh, favorite meal? Rice and gravy. Leisure activity? Leisure activity. <laughs> that you can say on the air. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I mean, um, sitting on a back patio, um, uh, sipping on a glass of wine, just listening to birds and whatnot. All right. That's very not, good. No, that's a great one. A great Favorite one. way to treat yourself? Oh, a really, um, buying a new pair of shoes mm -hmm. or a really nice bottle of wine. All both good choices. All right. Mm -hmm. The actor studio questions, the last card. Um, Are you going to ask my favorite bad word <laughs> well the first thing i'm gonna say is your favorite word overall what's your favorite word oh uh <laughs> and that's something i could probably say on air on um here but um fantabulous all right least favorite word it starts with an m <laughs> Oh, now it's going to be in my head all day. What turns you on? Some really, really smart people and music. What turns of you off? Not smart people. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not saying, I'm, I don't, I don't, I don't mean that. Um, people that have to one up you mm -hmm. and that, um, spend so much time narcissists mm -hmm. so much mm -hmm. time talking about themselves that they don't relate to you as a human sound or noise that you love the most i'm gonna cry kids laughing yeah. a small child under the age of five laughing hysterically yeah that's that's the, that's the jam right there sound or noise that you hate my own voice sometimes <laughs> <laughs> all of us <laughs> favorite curse word oh mf uh-huh what mm -hmm. profession other than your own would you like to attempt oh i want to i want to work for a professional football team oh which one would you oh, not yeah. like to do i would 
Oh man, I don't know which one I would not like to do. Yeah. I really like them all. My dad played for the Saints, so I would really like them, but I grew up in- job would you not want to do? Which job would you like? I could never do that. Oh, okay. Oh, I can, clearly I failed at hospitality worker. (laughs) I cannot- Fry cook. Yeah, I can't be a waitress either. I'm not good at that. I can't- When you arrive at heaven, what do you want to hear God say at the pearly gates? You're forgiven. That's a beautiful way to end this. Thank you. Dana, yeah, you survived food. the hour. <laughs> My hands are still sweating, though. But you did a great job. I'm very proud of you. Uh, <laughs> thank you to everyone who watched and listened and participated and provided feedback and comments and thoughts. Uh, we appreciate you spending this hour with us. As always, you can subscribe to Raise Your Branding Podcast and have these delivered right to your favorite device. Uh, like the Russo page on Facebook so you'll get notifications of the next one. And we we'll look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you all so much.